This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. The legal information presented on In Legal Terms is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information conveyed does not create any type of attorney-client relationship. Please consult an attorney provider before making any decisions about your specific legal questions. Welcome to In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio, the show all about you and your rights. I'm Liz Gill with Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. Hello, Professor Gershon. Good morning, Liz. How are you this morning? I am fantastic. I'm in the middle of graduations. You have a a bunch of them also. I do. I have uh, one last week at Florida State, a couple of weeks at University of Kansas, and then a high school graduation, and that is our youngest child. So we're going to be empty nesters. You've got the trifecta. Now, don't do what I did. We sent the youngest one to school. And then we got a dog. (laughs) Well, that makes sense. I mean, we're not going to do that. We already have a dog who runs the house anyway. Well, I hope you you enjoy uh, your freedom. I think I was told uh, empty nester is a sign of, uh, the the word is a phrase of sadness that your chicks have flown. I don't know that they've coined a time for the parents to party (laughs) because the kids are gone. Well, fortunately. Fortunately, Donna and I get along really well, and we're excited about having time together and date nights and things like that. But we will miss uh, our youngest and... uh you know, so it's a time of transition. That's right. And we're talking about families today. We'd like to welcome Attorney Evangela Wade. Her practice at the Wade Law Firm focuses on family law, wills and estates, and elder law. Welcome. Well, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Good morning, Liz, and good morning, Professor. Good morning. I am also a, uh, quote-unquote, empty nester. I have uh, two sons to graduate last spring, so I'm still getting over uh, them leaving uh, the nest and, and finishing up their first uh, freshman year, both of them. It, it, uh, it changes the dynamics. You want to send them on their way and be happy for them, but they're not there for you to remind them to eat their vegetables. Right. <laughs> well, this morning we're talking about heirs' property, which was an interesting topic to me. It's not something I was familiar with, but then I come to find out all across the South this is an important topic. Tell us uh, a little bit about your involvement and uh, what your exposure has been with that. Yes, certainly. Uh, Of course, learning uh, more about the issue of heirs' property uh, during the course of my uh, law practice uh, most recently uh, is my uh, experience. However, growing up in the South and in the rural area, you know, often we would hear about, oh, that's heir property. And uh, before going to law school and maybe sometime before college, I actually thought heir property uh, was AIR property and wondered why it was called heir property. Now I understand that it is, uh, you know, of course, H-E-I-R property, meaning that it belongs to the heirs of the person who at one point uh, who who owned it and who has passed away. Uh, In my practice, I get a lot of, uh, of, of 
of callers, a lot of questions about uh, property that's owned or was owned by deceased uh, uh, parents, grandparents, and people now trying to figure out what to do to have clear title or what to do in order to uh, get a mortgage or they want to uh, improve the property or even sell the property. What can we do? Because they're finding out that uh, the, the property is owned not only by uh, possibly uh, them, but also people that they have no Id- other family members that they have no idea about or where they are actually uh, uh, residing at this time. Well, and it's it's great to have you on and really important topic. And when I was in South Carolina, uh, another state that uh, has heirs property, A lot of it was because former slaves were given some land along the coast, which at the time was not good farmland and was considered not good land. And now because it's heirs' property, developers are taking advantage of the ancestors of those freed slaves to to buy the land very cheaply and develop it now that it is uh, you know, really, really valuable land. So what you're doing is important, and, you know, it really is about the importance of estate planning, isn't it? it uh, you're exactly right. And that's where, when I first became uh, involved, uh, just in, even in researching heirs' property, it was as a result of uh, working with, with clients on uh, planning, you know, estate planning and deciding who will who they will leave property to in a, uh, in a will or if there are other uh, legal mechanisms to, devise property such as life estate deeds to in many uh, instances attempting to avoid a full blown out uh, probate process uh, so yes we, we do know uh, historically that you know many African Americans in the south uh, lost property as a result of it becoming heirs property and pe- uh, developers or individuals coming in to buy up that interest and force partitions by sale uh, to divest the uh, owners of this property usually at, at less than market value. Uh, the USDA has a statistic that says that, uh, according to, well, they quoting the Census Bureau that says that 80% of land owned by blacks or uh, has been lost since 1910 due to this air property uh, phenomenon. Uh, I would also add to that that we not only see that in the you know in in the South, but it is also something that happens in communities in the cities as well uh, and it can be in some situations where property is left and there are no caretakers or people uh, you know providing for the upkeep and the maintenance of the property uh, where this property falls into uh, you know despair, disarray, and you have city blocks sometimes that are uh, made up of heirs' property. Uh, and that, of course, can bring down the, the uh, value of other properties on the street. Well, we've got this hour that we're going to be talking about heirs' property and transferring property in the family. Uh, if you'd like to call in with your questions, our number is one 877 672 7464. You can also send us an email. Our address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. But we already have a couple of phone calls on the line. We're going to go to Beverly. Thanks for calling in to In Legal Terms. Beverly, uh, you're on the air. Go ahead. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Miss Beverly. Hi. I got a relative, and his father's got Alzheimer's and dementia. 
and, and, and before he was diagnosed, they went to a legal clinic and had the power of attorney, a advanced directive, and a will done. Now, the will was fine. Then the advanced directive wasn't notarized, but it had two witness signatures. And a, and a power of attorney had somebody else's wishes on it and the other person's name and his father's name on it and his father's signature. Now, after his father was diagnosed, he was told that the power of attorney wasn't valid because it only had, uh, you know, it wasn't valid. And they said the only thing he can get was conservatorship. Now, there's a problem. His relatives don't visit his father and rarely call him. He even got a daughter he hadn't seen in about two years. And he, he is the sole caretaker of his father. And his relatives has accused him of, of stealing money because his father don't have a, a savings. And the, the, the thing is that his father spent money, giving money to his to the relatives over the years, including buying people cars and paying off the houses and stuff. So what So what should my relative do? Because he's in a, in a bad situation. Miss Beverly, uh, it sounds like your your relative needs to seek legal counsel on this matter uh, on behalf of his father, and that could be uh, in order to obtain a uh, a conservatorship. But certainly, the facts that you or the information that you've laid out uh, would necessitate a a you know, legal counsel, someone to, to, to ferret out the facts and to look at those documents and know exactly what uh, should be advised with regards to the actions that, that would be needed to, to get um, authority to make decisions on behalf of, of, your, of your senior uh, relative. You know, it's going to be hard for him to get it. And, and his, his father still, you know, He's not that bad off, but, you know, uh, it's going to be rough. Right. But you have to start, and now is the time to start. And if he, if, if his father does have some uh, mental capacity to make a decision, so now is the time for this planning to commence and to do it in a proper way. Um, if the longer you wait, then, of course, uh, the, he would, your nephew would have to get the courts involved to appoint uh, oh, so right, a person. So right now, he can, he can, right now, he can get, still get the power of attorney, even, even though he, he's been diagnosed with, with dementia. Again, this is very fact-specific, and your nephew should seek legal counsel. That way, that attorney uh, can uh, meet with, with your ne- with your nephew and his father to determine what uh, advice and what steps would be appropriate uh, for these for this particular set of circumstances. Professor Gershon, can you remind us again for individuals, uh, you know, ways to uh, find an attorney would be through the uh, Mississippi Bar Association, and what are some of the groups in uh, Beverly's calling from Jackson? Uh, what are some of the groups around the state that can help low-income individuals? 
Well, that would be North Mississippi Rural Legal Services up here in the northern part of the state, and then uh, Mississippi Legal Services, uh, both uh, part of the Legal Services Corporation. Uh, the Mississippi Center for Justice is another uh, opportunity. They work with uh, these kinds of issues and help people find, uh, you know, counsel. So there are resources, and then there are attorneys um, like Ms. Wade, I mean, who can help you, and, and that's what she does. Okay. Uh, Beverly, thank you so much for calling in. Um, and you could also... Uh Oh, okay. And uh, Vangela Wade was just talking about how she's on the Mississippi Center for Justice. So she knows that that's a, a great organization. So, Beverly, I hope uh, it's it's wonderful that you're concerned for your family and your relatives. And we certainly hope that they can get the help that they need. We're going to move next to John, who's calling from Magnolia. John, thanks for calling in, too, in legal terms. You're on the air. Go ahead. Uh, what I was uh, suggesting, uh, like uh, you're married, and then you get a divorce, and then they said that the longest liver gets land. But if the other party married, have 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 married, what what about that? You understand what I'm saying? Um, are you saying that after a divorce, yeah. um, who would inherit the property? No, they said that the longest liver. Uh, just to get the property, but the other party have married. Is that in a divorce, uh, a property settlement agreement uh, related to a divorce? Yeah, it was. Okay, and and that is, uh, you know, those judicial orders that that would be a part of a, a judicial order, and that is very specific to that particular set of circumstances. So I, there's no way I could, uh, you know, uh, really give adequate comment to that because again that was based on if that came if that came out of a uh, a divorce as a part of a property settlement agreement uh, the court and those parties uh, more than likely decided uh, the course of action w with regards to that that property okay 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 I was just wondering because the, the other party had married and uh, so I just wonder, do they names still be on the property? And again, that's going to depend on the terms of that property settlement agreement, which most likely, which uh, sounds, from what you're saying, it sounds like that may have dictated the terms of of that uh, property and the ownership of that property. And you'd have to really uh, review that document to know exactly what would happen up on marriage or and or death. Okay, okay, okay. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. John, thanks so much for calling in. It's time for our first break. We're going to continue with our discussion of documented ownership of property. If you have a question about the laws concerning transferring property or heirs' property, call us at 1 877 MPB Ring. That's 1 877 672. 7464. You can also send us an email. Our address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. We're talking with attorney Vangela Wade, and uh, we'll talk about ways that you can help uh, the air property family disagreements. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio.
You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to In Legal Terms. Not everyone has a chance to listen to our whole show live. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the show at mpbonline.org slash In Legal Terms. It'll be up later this afternoon. It's also available on the MPB Public Media app, as are all our local shows. I'm Liz Gill here with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. We've been talking about heirs, property, and one suggestion is to try to work out family disagreements before they become legal battles. Get a will and encourage other heirs to make a will to prevent more people from becoming heirs owners. Our guest this morning is attorney Vangela Wade, who was a graduate at the University of Mississippi School of Law, where she currently serves as an adjunct professor. Uh, Ms. Wade, do you do that every so often? Do you have special classes that you participate with? Well, actually, uh, this past uh, 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 spring term was my first time uh, doing the adjunct uh, professor and we did a class. Actually, my husband and I did a joint class, and it was called. Um, it was a an estate and a um, wrongful death class, uh, combining both of those those issues. So it was it was really interesting. Well, that's fantastic, Professor Gershon. You get them from all over the state then to come up. We're so lucky to have uh, great lawyers like uh, Ms. Wade come up and, and, I should say, Professor Wade come up and teach uh, classes like this. It's a lot of time for them. Uh, we don't pay them a lot of money for this, but uh, it's great experience for our students to have practicing lawyers uh, teach them about uh, the law. Right. And, and actually, we enjoyed it because it was it was practice. It, it was hands-on. It was, it was what happens when a client calls you on the phone or a potential client. What happens when they come across your threshold into your office? And, you know, the real uh, nuts and bolts of handling estate work as well as uh, a wrongful death case. So it, it was great, and the students were fantastic. It's great. And it, you know, really, I think students learn, too, that they can make a big difference in people's lives with estate planning, with proper estate planning. And I think maybe one of the challenges with heirs' property is you've got people who may distrust the legal system a little bit and, and aren't comfortable seeking legal help uh, with their with their land. And, and you know, so the, the property just passes from generation to generation. How do you deal with that? Well, usually uh, once once uh, clients or potential clients contact you and you go into detail and with with information educating them about one the necessity of estate planning and what happens when you don't plan. Uh, I, I like to call it more life planning and and particularly what happens with your property, your real property, your land that you've worked so hard to uh, to acquire or you've carried it from generation to generation and certainly by uh, having a will uh, that will enable this this legacy, this this legacy to move forward through the next generations without getting lost in what I call a quagmire of heirs property. And when you, when people fail to have wheels uh, to 
devise the property to and and they pass without without a will and the property becomes heirs property then it, it, the first thing that people will usually need to do is determine who are those heirs and, you know sometimes I get a call and people uh, will say well uh, my parents had two children and I'll have to tell them you, you know meaning no disrespect but uh, the law no, the law didn't necessarily know that your parents had two children, so we have to do, we have to move through a judicial process to determine those heirs. Who are the, uh, the who are the legal heirs? And we move through a the, the process to obtain a court order to determine uh, who those heirs are. And at that point, we're able to what I would like to say. Uh, think of it as putting a framework around who the heirs are that will then own uh, this property. Well, eventually, it seems like, you know, sometimes what happens is you've got one person who's living on the heirs' property, and they're taking care of it. Maybe they're paying the property taxes. And then they find out they actually share this property with other tenants in common who uh, aren't paying the taxes, aren't paying their share. Uh, and, And then those tenants may sell a portion of it. I mean, is that, how do you deal with that issue? Right, and sometimes that, you're exactly right. That can happen where you have one or more persons uh, who, one, I, I like to, to think, of, think of it in terms of them owning a, a part of a whole, an undivided, as you mentioned, an undivided interest in this whole. Uh, but once one of those persons sell their interest, then they would in, introduce another person, maybe not even a family member, with an ownership. Uh, and at that point, uh, that person uh, could force a sale or a partition of that property. So it goes back to what Liz said earlier about family members working together uh, before this becomes an issue to decide how how they're going to uh, deal with the ownership of this property, uh, to create a family tree to determine who's in the family, as far as you know. Uh, And then even to set out, well, if I can't assist as one of those uh, heirs who may own the property, if I can't assist with the taxes or the maintenance of the property, maybe I should sell my interest to one of the other family members. And therefore, we do keep it in the within the family uh, and the and the property is, is able we're able to maintain the taxes and maintain that property to keep from uh, losing it in tax sales or just the you know general disrepair of of the property. All right, and we've got a couple of calls that we're going to go to today. First is Willis in Kosciuszko. Willis, you're on in legal terms. Thank you so much for calling in. Thank you. Go ahead. Uh, yes, I have parents that uh, was died in uh, 2007, and I was living with them at the time. And I've been maintaining the property and I wanted to uh, do some upkeep of the property and put a house on it. I was wondering how could I get this property put in my name. Well, um, Mr. Willis, do you have, uh, is the property air property? Uh, with? Yes, it's air property. My, my parents didn't have a will. Okay. So you, and you... I have four brothers and sisters. 
Okay. Uh, I would suggest that you do contact uh, uh, an attorney or seek legal legal advice directly about your uh, family's property. Uh, one of the one of the steps that you that may be suggested to you is for a determination of heirs because if your parents died, what we call intestate, meaning without a will, uh, then th- there were no heirs or or uh, heirs designated uh, to transfer that property to. So the heirs would need to be determined in order to know for certain that it's you and your siblings are the only persons who are uh, entitled to interest in that property. And then once that is completed, then uh, you and your siblings can determine uh, if they want to uh, sell or uh, give, the, well, sell their interest in the property to you, uh, or if you all want to maintain it as is, where you all each will own that um, in common uh, ownership, where you each will own an undivided interest in that property. So um, how many uh, siblings did you say that you have? Four. Okay. So uh, there are five of you in total? Right. Okay. So at this point, if you were determined to be the sole heirs of your parents, uh, then you each would own basically uh, a fifth uh, interest in that property. Uh, and, uh, and I want to say this because this is this is how we began this uh, quagmire of heirs property. If by some unfortunate. Uh, under some unfortunate set of circumstances, something happens to one of your siblings, then if that sibling dies without a will and leaves uh, children or a spouse, then those those heirs of that deceased sibling would in, would ha- would then automatically ha- have uh, vested interest in that property. They would uh, they would have that sibling's one-fifth ownership. So you can see how that can continue to splinter. Um, you know, each time a person passes away without a will, without devising the property to a specific uh, person, you see how that can just splinter until you have just multitude of fractional interest in this uh, property. So I would suggest that you do contact an attorney uh, to move forward with um, uh, determining who the heirs are, getting a formal adjudication, and then at that point, as the, the owners of that property, the adjudicated heirs, being the sole heirs and owners of that property, you all can work together to decide what your next steps would be. And what about uh, putting a house on that property and getting a mortgage? Would that have any effect? Well, I... It's been my experience that where the property is uh, heirs' property, uh, it would be very difficult for you to obtain a mortgage in most instances where it's owned by uh, multiple persons, and especially where uh, the the, the um, heirs have not been adjudicated. Um, so I would suggest that before you, you know, attempt to place any. Um, you know, place a, a, a home on the property that you do seek some type of counsel, uh, you know, from an attorney, or you may want to speak with a, a lender uh, at a bank, and that that lender may tell you, loan officer may tell you that you're going to, ha- you would have to um, get legal title to the uh, right. to the property. All righty. 
All right, Willis, thank you so much for calling in today. It's time for us to take our next break. We're talking with Angela Wade with the Wade Law Firm about Ayers Property. We're big in Kosciuszko, so Marie, you hang on. Roger and Dudley, hang on. Anyone else who would like to call us, our number is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can also send us an email. Our address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. We'll talk about what some of the problems with Ayers property is when we get back. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Professor Richard Gershon is our expert. We hope you'll subscribe to our podcast. There are many podcasting platforms. I happen to use Podcast Addict. Uh, I've downloaded it to my phone. On mine, I touch a plus button that takes me to a page to search for podcasts. Then I do the little magnifying glass and I type in In Legal Terms in the search area. It brings up In Legal Terms and then I'm able to touch the photo and subscribe, and then I'm notified when any new episodes are up. This morning, we're talking about transferring ownership of property with our guest, Attorney Vangela Wade, whose law firm focuses on life planning and asset protection for long-term care. Uh, what are some pitfalls about having heirs property? As we just heard from our uh, caller, Willis, he may find out that it's hard to get loans, grants, and government assistance based on property ownership because there isn't a clear title. We have an absolutely full slate of phone calls, so we're going to start off with Marie in Kosciuszko. Marie, thank you so much for calling in to In Legal Terms. Go ahead. Thank you. Thanks for taking my call. I it's, This is kind of like a two-fold question. And um, how do you prevent heirs' property? Um, our father, uh, we had a deed done, and our father transferred the land to, to um, five children. So that part is done, and we have, I guess, equal share. But the question is, if, our, if the children wills the land to their children... So we go from five to maybe 20. Is there a way to prevent that? Can you, like, set up a trust or something? Uh, Yes. Uh, Hi, Marie. Uh, This is Vangela Wade. Uh, Yes, uh, in a nutshell, you can do that. You have many families who will set up a, uh, a land 
trust, uh, trust that holds the land. And if they're farming or they're receiving uh, money from leases, then that money may be used to, you know, pay the taxes, but it's all uh, placed in the trust. And if there's any uh, distribution from the trust based on, you know, income earned from from that land, then it goes, it's distributed through that trust based on the terms of the trust. So that is one way. But yes, I I would also suggest that until you all decide as a family, uh, the five of you, what to do uh, with the property that your father's deeded, that you all make sure that you have a will uh, and that you express to your children, um, no matter how, how old or young, how important it is to maintain the ownership of your property. Uh, I grew up in a rural area up in Verona, Mississippi. When I say that, people usually don't, I don't get a lot of, oh, wow, I know Verona. Uh, <laughs> but I grew up in Verona, Mississippi on a farm, and my grandfather, Daddy Mose, is what I called him. He, mm-hmm. from the time I was able to listen to him uh, about property, about land, and walk the land with him, uh, he, he continued to tell me about how important it is to maintain ownership of your land. And so I grew up with that and knowing the importance of that. So if you um, educate your children, your family, on how important it is to maintain this family legacy, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I think it would be more difficult for them uh, to lose track of it uh, and to allow it to get outside of that, of that family network. Okay. Well, that I that part I understand, and that's why I had a question about the the grandchildren, and uh, because uh, a few of the grandchildren, well, my father, so it would be my father's grandchildren, grew up kind of with him here, and my mother. But there are other grandchildren that had nothing to do with it. So. But their parents want them to have ownership of the land. See, that's, so that's the question I was worried, uh, trying to get the trust or something set up so it would always be in the family, even though there could be family members that have no interest. Right, but correct. They, you know, but they still own own it. Correct, and that would be one good mechanism for doing that. Okay, so a, a land trust. Okay, and the other thing, uh, question had to do with um, step-parents. Mm-hmm. Um, when a step parent passes, does the stepchildren are they heirs or they are not heirs, or is that a legal term that? Right. The um, it passes to or you know the land when a person dies intestate again without a without right. a will, then mm-hmm. the, um, the the the. The property passes to their, that person's heirs, and those are uh, the, that person's spouse and that person's biological or adopted children. And if okay. that person, uh, if there are no biological or, or adopted children or spouse, then it would pass to grandchildren. So it would, you know, descend in that manner. But if 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 they are not uh, biological children or adopted children, a stepchild would not inherit without uh, being named, you know, in a will. Okay. Okay. That's a good answer. Not one I like, but (laughs) okay. At at least they would would not inherit directly from that uh, descendant dying uh, with ownership in that land. Now, if Mm -hmm. that person was, if the land passed to uh, the decedent's wife 
or a husband and that person had uh, a child and that person then pa- passed without a will or if there were, were no other biological uh, descendants of that uh, original descendant, uh, deceased person, then it, there there is a chance that that stepchild could possibly end up with, the, you know, ownership in that property. Mm-hmm. And again, that goes with, um, you know, if we have wills, that could help to prevent that. Okay. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Marie. We appreciate you calling in today. Now we're going to go to Roger in Tupelo. Roger, we appreciate you calling in today on In Legal Terms. Go ahead. Thank you so much for your time. I'm in a situation, I'm just lost. I I don't know what's happened. Uh, We bought our home in 2012, and we were there eight years. And on September the 5th of 2017, I got voicemail from the sheriff's office telling me that we were going to be evicted in five days. This was the first issue that we heard from anybody about any problems. We've always made the mortgage payments and we've made them on time. This house was sold right off from under us with nothing. We didn't get as much as a phone call from the mortgage company. So I called them and they claimed that they had not received a payment on this mortgage since October of 2015. And I said, you haven't received a payment in two years, and we've never gotten as much as a phone call from you. Uh, who got the money? And the the payments were made. I'm a truck driver, so my wife pays all the bills, and I know she's paid them because my Social Security comes in on the first day of the month, and she pays everything. So I, I know the payments were made. We have receipts for all the payments. So I said, uh we're talking about uh, 24 mortgage payments that you say you've never received. And then I learned that they had done a foreclosure in March of 2012. We knew nothing about that, so she kept right on paying the payments right up through September of 2012. So we were evicted. We, we moved. And uh, I was advised to take this problem to the Attorney General. <clears throat> Excuse me. The Attorney General of North Carolina, which I did, I filed a complaint with the Attorney General, and it's been almost a year, well, a little over a year, and we've never heard anything from the Attorney General's office, and uh, I didn't you know, really know what to do about this, and I heard your show on the radio, and I thought maybe you could advise me. So sorry to hear about uh, these circumstances, but I, I, and I understand that you've gone to the attorney general's office with a complaint. Um, I, I would strongly urge you to seek legal counsel uh, of your own outside of the attorney general's process, complaint process, uh, even if you have to seek it through uh, one of the, the legal services organizations. Uh, but certainly this sounds... Uh, it sounds that you need direct um, legal counsel, legal advice on this. And, uh, and Miss Wade, since he said this was in North Carolina, should he? Is that the where his lawyer should be based? Uh, if the property is in North Carolina, yes. I, I'm sorry, I, I thought you were calling from Tupelo. I heard, I heard you mention North Carolina, uh, but 
I'm a truck driver. I'm in Tupelo oh, you, right now. Okay, you pass it, pass it through Tupelo. Yes, you, you're certainly right, Liz, that he should contact an attorney uh, who's who's licensed to practice in South Carolina. I was I was referred to an attorney whose specialty is supposedly mortgage fraud. And uh, he just acted like he wasn't really interested. And I'm not so concerned about the payments as I am these people doing this to somebody else. They, uh, I think somebody just flipped the house because it's been sold for twice what we paid for it. And I think there's something along those lines. But uh, actually, they, they, I understand that the foreclosure was done in March of last year, of 2012. We didn't know anything about it. So my wife has made six more payments on the mortgage when there was no mortgage. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I would urge you to contact. And, and if you've if you've already filed your complaint with the Attorney General's office, uh, yes, follow ma'am. up. Follow up. Don't you, you know? Sometimes uh, you know in the process things can get sort of uh, uh, pushed to the side, or maybe uh, you, you know change in in yes. leadership. So follow up. Don't just let it uh, go because you you well, have I'm a vested interest in 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 this. There are legal aid uh, organizations in North Carolina that may be able to help you. Uh, There's Legal Aid of North Carolina, for example. Um, They have a toll-free line. You can look them up online. They may be able to get you started on a North Carolina problem. All right. Roger, we appreciate you calling for us, and I hope you'll uh, take advantage of the suggestions that uh, our experts have given you. Uh, We need to take our last break now. We're talking about how to get clear title to real property. We're talking about heirs property, and our lines are full up. So uh, Wallace, Mary, and Dudley, just hang on. You'll be our last three callers. Um, If you have a question, you can send us an email, legalterms at mpbonline.org. And where is air property loss a problem? We'll tell you after the break. This is In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Thank you for being a part of In Legal Terms. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show at mpbonline.org slash In Legal Terms. It's also available on the MPB Public Media app, as are all our local shows, and it's a podcast. I'm here with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. We're talking with attorney Vangela Wade with the Laid Wolf Law Firm. If you didn't get your question in, there's a free seminar. It's open to the public, and it's on this topic. It's Thursday, May 16th, but you need to get your reservations in now. We have information on how you can reserve your seat to attend. It'll be on our webpage and on our podcast. 
We were talking about uh, Ayers property and the 10 states most affected by air property loss. Let's see if you can guess what they are. Texas, Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, and Virginia. And Professor Gershon, I'm sorry we're just you're just having to listen along because we have three more calls to get to. No worries. It's great. All right. Dudley, we're so glad you're part of our show today. Uh, go ahead. I have been concerned about the, uh, the mineral rights for the property. Is this a big deal or what are the rules on this? Oh, I'm interested in this. Everybody in my family got called about mineral rights one day. Well, I, I tell you what, and I understand that uh, that you're a former judge, Dudley. Me? No. Oh, oh no, no! I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No. So okay. sorry. Oh, so what a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, I, I tell you what, the, the uh, issue of mineral rights is is a very critical issue when people are transferring uh, property uh, and when it descends by intestate succession, which is what happens with uh, with air property. But even when when people devise when when persons owning property devise their land through wheels, you have to be very careful. Uh, not to exclude those mineral rights, or not to give uh, uh, to, to 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 give property uh, where the mineral rights may run under underneath certain property and may not run underneath uh, another uh, person's property that's that's taking taking rights under under the wheel. Uh, I've not not had an opportunity to do a lot of work uh, dealing with mineral rights, uh, but I, I do know that it's, that it's something that, that requires great attention in deeds uh, as well as in, in the will. And it's something that people should definitely seek legal assistance with. Uh, I, I see a lot of times uh, in my practice where people will attempt to download deeds uh, from, you know, online sources or either just uh, uh, use a deed that they've seen someone else use. And uh, transferring property to include the mineral rights or not, you know, that could be an issue if you're just using a, a form document or a document that where you're not actually uh, familiar with the, ne- the language uh, necessary to transfer those rights or to exclude those rights. Uh, so we want to be very careful of uh, how we deal with our mineral rights. Dudley, thank you for calling in. I guess what I just did with uh, with uh, our family, I didn't know anything about it. So, so I said, no, I wasn't interested in selling because... I didn't know what I was selling. selling. Exactly. I, I have uh, a couple of years ago, I was approached by someone with a uh, a lawsuit uh, where th- th- there were about uh, 700 heirs. Uh, and it was all related to property uh, that had some type of mineral rights or royalties that w- were to be paid from uh, that property. And so you can see with that that number of heirs, uh, it was difficult to find, to, to locate them, and then making disbursements to those persons can, you know, be a, be a nightmare. So you do want to make sure as you're preserving your rights to your property, you want to also do that uh, with regards to your mineral rights as well. All right. Let's go now to Wallace, who's calling from Jackson. Wallace, thanks for calling into In Legal Terms. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. How you doing, man? We're doing great. Thanks for calling in. 
Yes, I, my question was, I don't know if it's too late or not. Um, my father had air property, and uh, they divided it around about 2009. And, 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 and my father part of the show should have went to his kids, which is my brother, my siblings. But what happened is said that my aunt bought the property from him that had lost her share in the part. But the quick deal came out of nowhere around 2007 or something, or eight, right two, after my mom had passed, okay? But there's no proof that my dad sold her that property, okay? And she was, she was already in bankruptcy and stuff, and my dad, during the time that he was supposed to have, she said that he was supposed to have sold her the property, and no one knew about it. Plus, my dad was dead with He died of cirrhosis of the liver and uh, emphysema. And he was so heavily medicated when he got out of hospital, he was considered hospice. And he stayed at home and died with us. So that was no way that could have happened. So I believe the paperwork was forged. But however, I had no way to prove because I had no, no, nothing to match the city with. Right. Anytime you're looking to set aside a deed or, uh, uh, you know, even a will, you you must have, you know, must have proof. Uh, um, and unless you have that to show that that person could not have, uh, you know, executed the documents or whether or not the person had capacity to execute the documents, then those documents will likely stand. But again, as I said at the top of the show, you know, uh, this type of situation is very fact specific and you would definitely need uh, to take those you know your information the documents that you may have related to this situation to counsel to an attorney uh, or someone to you know to walk through those documents and to go through your facts to see if if there's some recourse if you if you have any recourse uh, something that I do know Mr. Wallace and I don't know that this of course happened in your situation but I, I do see this from time to time in my practice is where you know our, our our, our parents uh, may make decisions with regard to their property without us knowing it. Uh, and they may execute deeds or create a will. And by the time we realize it, uh, you, you know, the, the property has, has been transferred, ownership's transferred to someone else. Uh, and, you know, I've seen situations where uh, parties come in to uh, get a deed, have a deed prepared, and then when I do my research, I find that there's always, the property has already been, has been transferred to another family member under a different deed. And unfortunately, some, I'm the person that uh, sometimes have to bear, uh, you know, give that, that news to, to, to family uh, members when these, these types of situations occur. So, but again, your situation sounds as though you, you really need to get have that information before legal counsel. Wallace, I, I, I think with everyone who's called today, they've had uh, stories that are very interesting. And unfortunately, most of the time, the answer is going to be you need to seek an attorney to help straighten this out. Wallace, thanks so much for calling in. Mary, I'm sorry we won't get to your call. If you could send us an email, our address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. Thank you, Vangela Wade, for being on our program today. Thank you, Liz, and thank you, Professor Gershon. I appreciate being uh, able to set in today. 
It's great having you. Well, and make sure uh, to check out our website, uh, mpbonline.org slash legal terms, where we'll have the link if you're interested in signing up for the free seminar that the Wade Law Firm is hosting on Ayers property. So for our call screener, Michelle McAdoo, and our board engineer, Jay White, I'm Liz Gill. And for Professor Richard Gershon, who hosts from the University of Mississippi School of Law, we thank you for tuning in. Tune in next week at 10 a.m. for In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. 